do design decisions involve value judgments? Andy Halliwell has gone and posted this question on LinkedIn as part of our redesigning D&T project and debates. I think this is a really tricky one to answer and our expert group felt that it was an important question that needed debating. Do design decisions involve value judgments? I think firstly, I'd be saying, what do you mean by a value judgment, a values judgment? And maybe in your response to Andy's question, you'll explore what you understand and what your views are of what value judgments are and then whether they actually impinge on or affect the design decisions that designers make and also that children make in D&T lessons. So do join the debate. We're always open to conversation and discussion on this. But for now, on to the next episode. This is the Talking D&T podcast, episode 103. Welcome to the Talking D&T podcast with me, Alison Hardy, a podcast for anybody interested in design and technology education, where I'll be sharing news, views, ideas and opinions about D&T. Well, this is a new one for me. Somebody actually approaching me and asking to come on the podcast. Or was it kind of mutual? I think I first talked to you about this, Tony, quite a few years ago or a couple of years ago when we were sort of both setting up podcasts. So it's really exciting to have a fellow podcaster on this morning. I was kind of a bit apprehensive thinking, does he set us up like this? You know, when we kind of meet later in the week and we're recording for your podcast, I'm thinking, what am I going to learn? And so that's kind of quite nice for me to talk to somebody who does a podcast. But no, if you haven't guessed already, I'm talking this morning with Tony Ryan, who's the chief executive of the Design and Technology Association. Um, So I'm not going to waffle on any longer, Tony. I'm going to pass over to you so you can tell people who, who might not know who you are, kind of saying building up and having a high status there with a great profile who you are what you are and what you do over to you thank you very much Alison I don't I'm not quite sure if I if I elbowed my way onto this podcast or whether whether <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure what happened there but uh, I think we were talking and I just yeah I, I, I mean and you're going to come on mine as well and I think it will be a really really um it's just good I, th- I think what's happened here with this paper is so important it needs talking about and it needs sharing and there are no rights and wrongs in here, really. No. It's, it's 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 a discussion, and 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 that's hopefully what we're going to start this morning is a bit of a discussion. Um, yeah, just um, I'm gonna, I'm going to do it in in thirty seconds. Um, okay, uh, hated school, fell out of school, didn't like it at all, never engaged with it, became a car mechanic. Car mechanic proved to me that I wasn't thick. Um, context of learning was there in front of me in an engine. Got all the qualifications I could. Um, wanted to get a degree and then teaching was the way to get a degree and I, my idea was pop in and pop out and 33 years later I, I found myself a head teacher it was accidental it all happened it was all circumstantial um, but I don't regret a minute of it I loved education I love education still this job drew me um, I, I, I tried to ignore it but it was the heart dragging me in because I love this subject and I think this subject is really important. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I've been uh, chief exec of the uh, association for nearly four and a half years now, which is quite scary. Is it as long as that? It is. Wow. It is indeed. I, I had no grey hair when I started, um, but it's growing and it's popping up on a regular basis now. So, um, yeah, four and a half years. So I'm going to say, if anybody wants to take me to task, I was actually on the interview panel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your fault. <laughs> that's, that's when we first met. It yeah. was, it was, yeah. 
Yeah, it was a long cricket, yeah. So in the days when I was a trustee, yeah. And and I must say, Tony, I think you've really sort of shifted the profile of the association, the voice of the, the association uh, into, into new ways of talking about the subject and the curriculum developments and the and the workshops and such that I see sort of promoted by the association is fantastic. And I always hear great things about your podcast. So, Thank you. you know, Thank you very it's much. not very often and I'm going to make a public compliment to anybody, you know, um, but you have been, you know, it's, it, I can imagine you'll say it's been a huge learning curve, but over the years, you've kind of really taken the association and, and begun to shape it in a new direction in response to what's going on in terms of D&T education. It's been massive. It's been, uh, for me, it's probably one of the biggest learning curves I've ever gone on because running a school, actually budget-wise, and I think I said this at interview, uh, you know, I was running a £12.5 million budget at school um, and you're running a, a £1.3 million budget with the association. So mm-hmm. it should be easier, but it's completely different because you're running a business, really. And yeah. you have to run it as a business because if you don't, you're not around in future years to look after the subject. And I'm very aware at the moment that the association is one of the last bodies out there, really, that is fighting for the subject. And by by that, what I mean is lobbying and trying to convince government that this subject is worthwhile having on the curriculum there are other people out there doing some wonderful things um with 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 stem specifically um but also with design and technology but it's been a massive learning curve and i i I hope now we're in a position where we are starting i mean the big drive at the minute is trying to connect what's going on in schools with what's going on in business and industry because i think you can't ignore that connection with our subjects if you do you'd you you, yeah. you 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 lose the context you lose the meaning i might beg to differ with you on that one yeah. but we're not going to yeah. go down we're not going to go down that route mm-hmm. that's another <laughs> podcast <laughs> that, is, that is another podcast another debate um but yeah i mean you mentioned to begin with about about the report so yeah that's how that's how we kind of got, finally got a date in the diary to to record this podcast was you reached out in response to um, an episode that I did recently about this report, a spotlight on design and technology study in England. And you you very kindly said that it was a balanced analysis of the report. Yeah, which is what I was tried to give in that report, because it, it is a report. It's not a it's not an action plan, no, is it? It's absolutely a, not. It's, a, it's a status. But so I'm really glad that you've come on to kind of to give out a little bit more detail because I raised some questions and I kind of hinted at some things that I could see were were limitations of the report for, for all sorts of reasons. And I, I'm using the word limitations advisedly, not as in a limited as it was negative, but limited as in you kind of have to work within parameters when you when you do these sorts of reports. So. So we thought that today, didn't we, Tony, that it'd be really good just to talk about the report and kind of how it came into being, what its purpose is, and explore some of the things that came up and kind of debate a little bit about about what's next. If we run out of time, we might do the next bit about what's next in another podcast. Sure. So go on, give us some context for this report. It came about, I mean, I was very aware that we didn't have a baseline. And and, and what I mean by that is... um, the DFE, when you're working with the DFE, you can't work in anecdote. As soon as you start talking in anecdote, their eyes glaze over. And quite often they get up and walk away. And I, and I, and I, and I mean that literally. It's like, thank you very much. That's a lovely story. Somebody said to me once, it's a lovely story, but it's got no context. It's got no science behind it. Thank you very much. Nice meeting you. So you you, you don't want to put yourself in that position ever again. Um and no, I can understand. very, very aware that over the course of the last, let's say, 10 years, it might not be quite that long, but it, it's a long time. 
we haven't really got a contextual piece that says this is where the subject is now. This is this is exactly where the subject is. So this is what the, the, the concept of this report was. It, it was, let's dig in. Let's find out exactly where the subject is. Let's try and find out why it's where it is, if we can, um, although we knew that that was going to be limited. Um, and let's try and find some, some um, uh, sort of regional stuff as well and find out what's going on in regions because we didn't have that. Um, what we wanted, to be honest, was we wanted access to, to something called Leo data and the, the Leo data gives you access to the National Pupil Database. Um, now, the DfE apparently have not have refused to release that for, for, for this purpose at the moment. So, and, and f- for, for listeners out there, what that would allow us to do, and I think it's a really essential piece of research that we need to follow up with, is we need to follow up students that have studied design and technology successfully at school, or maybe unsuccessfully as well. What jobs have they gone on to? Where have they, you know, and, and it won't tell you the exact job, but it will tell you the sector. It will tell you the level they're working at. It will tell you whether they've had prolonged periods of unemployment or not. Um, and you can then regionalize that as well. And you can work out if design and technology is actually having a massive positive impact in some parts of the country where it's perhaps not in others. Um, so that is what we wanted to do. Um, we couldn't. Uh, we weren't able to do that because we couldn't get access to that. So the aim was to do a baseline. Um, EPI actually approached us, first of all, and said, this is a piece of work that we feel needs doing. Um, and they saw a gap in research and they said, this is somewhere that we want to plug. Um it came at a price, and it was a price that we couldn't afford as an association. So we reached out to partners and, and uh, industry partners and said, look, this is what we want to try and do. Um, we need to raise this amount of money. Will you support us, and will you get in there with us and help us? And, and luckily, um, we had some really good industry partners that, that backed it financially and allowed us to do this piece of research, which took just over a year. It was just It was about... It's about 13, 14 months in total. Yeah, the, these things are quite complex, aren't they? Um, you know, writing reports like this, collecting the data, exploring what data is publicly available. So I, I as a researcher, would, would kind of say that they're using secondary data. They've not collected data to do this. And it's a real shame that things like the Leo data set, and there's the other one is the Millennium Cohort Studies, isn't it, that's a, a national data set yeah. um, to use. But there's kind of limitations and there's parameters, but it, it makes things kind of yeah you're not having to go out and and collect data but as you say I really like that term that you started off with there that it's a contextual report that there was no baseline there was anecdote you know and there was also small pockets you know I've I've done a, an art, a couple of articles about um declining figures but that was 2015 you know um David Spendler does stuff yeah. every year about teacher recruitment so it's re- but they're all bitty yeah. and they're not necessarily analyzing in the same way so it's very difficult to collate them so it's it's good to have this report although it, it does come at a cost having that expertise to 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 find the data to clean it to to, to kind of do something with it that makes it presentable in terms of a, a non-statistical audience reading it is cost money so yeah i don't blame you for reaching out to other people but seeing the importance of it and it was and it was um yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll talk about later on, we'll talk about, you know, the people that were involved and, you know, the sectors that were involved. And uh, I would have liked, you see, the thing with, you, I mean, you know, Alison, that the thing with D&T is it's wide. 
and and, yeah. and and that's our strength and it's our weakness at the same time is that we, we, we sometimes I feel have tried to be all things to all people um, I'm quite pragmatic when it comes to these things like you know there's a piece of research here there's somebody wanting to do this piece of research they need x amount of money who can I reach out to that is going to perhaps provide that money in order to enable this um and i'm not too precious as to who i'll reach out to if i'm really honest uh it's like the money needs to be there because we need the research because we can't move on without it and i'm aware that we're on a burning bridge you know i i i really do feel at the moment that the subject has not got time on its side so i can't afford to spend six months having conversations about where the money's going to come from i've got to make it quick yeah, got to, got to turn that sort of thing around in a couple of weeks, haven't you, to be able to make it happen? It was less than a month, so it, it, yeah. it happened very, very quickly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I highlighted that it's it's, it's quite engineering-focused. It it yeah. Um, and, and did that, I suppose whether you can answer this question, um, did that impact on which data you went looking for? I, I honestly, you know, where, you know where I'm going with this yeah, question. But. I, I honestly don't think it did. I mean, we 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 set out early on, and, and and they said, "Do you want us to take an angle on this? Is is there a particular steer that you want on this?" And it was like, "No, there definitely isn't." Um, and if if I had had, and I mean, let, let, let's mention textiles because it's it's yeah. it's, it's there. If I had had a textiles funder that I could have spoken to, a textiles industry partner that I could have spoken with, who would have put an amount in, and you know, we're not talking about we're not talking about a few hundred quid, we're talking about tens of thousands of pounds, um, then I would have reached out to them immediately. And so, I there's a danger that it will be read into this that this is an engineering report and not a textiles based report or a food based report or whatever it might be. It's not. It's a baseline on the subject, which allows us now to, it gives us a platform to build on. And it's a platform that really can't be argued with because it is from established data. Yeah, yeah. And and as you say, it's a good, it's a good context, contextual sort of setting a baseline. I'm I'm just going to come back to this, this textiles thing, though. Mm. Um, Because in the, in the sections, I'm kind of really getting into nitty gritty. I'll I'll back off in a moment. Um, about the looking at the vocational qualifications, it, it does focus on engineering, doesn't it? It doesn't focus on design or textiles. True, true. And, and was, was there a reason for that? No, that just... no. That's just that's just nuance from the research. I mean, it's not. It's not definitely. It definitely right. wasn't a focus for us, and it wasn't like point at this bit, don't point at that bit. Um, yeah, it wasn't. No. Yeah, I, I suppose, and I wasn't kind of saying whether whether it came from the association. It was more whether. Whether you know, because you set out briefs for these things, don't you? These mm. sorts of data sets mm. and what you want. But yeah, yeah, I think um, I suppose I'm just being a bit sort of devil's advocate. Really, is that people might look at it and go, "Is is that the association saying they don't want anything to do with textiles as a material area within D and T because they're not included in this report?" What I'm reading is that's not what you're saying. Categorically not. No, uh, I, I I see textiles as being uh, an integral part of the subject. Um, I think we've lost a lot of textiles teachers over the years mm-hmm. and we've lost them to art and design predominantly. Um, and, and I understand why I absolutely understand why. Um, however, uh, definitely from, from the association's perspective and from my personal perspective as well, um, I do not see 
uh, textiles as being disassociated from design and technology. I see it as being an integral part of what we do and what we are. Right. And I think people will be kind of relieved to hear that. I suppose this is, I think we could come back and talk about this actually, couldn't we? About, you know, the different material areas as being part of design and technology. And that's a whole other thing we could explore, but you're really interesting. Can I tap to into talk it about. just a little, Alison? Yeah, I, I don't then. want to go deep because I know, no. I know we've not got an awful lot of time. I've been four and a half years in the job and, and like what we, we're, we're on a mission to save the subjects. That's the bottom line. Mm. Um, and that, that, that needs money because we don't get any government funding as the association. People think that we get, yeah. we used to, uh, we don't anymore. We we have to generate our own funds, and most of that money comes either from bids, and that's a very small amount, or from membership. So, yeah. uh, membership is is our main fundraising tool. Um, when we look at pieces of work like this, we 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 look at industry, and we look at right who's going to support us, and who's going. Yeah. I have to say, and I, I don't want to say this, but I have to say, my experience in four and a half years is that engineering is willing to put its hand in its pocket. Yeah. And there are other sectors that are less willing to put their hand in their pocket. And it's not that they haven't been approached because they have, and they just, no, they back off when it comes to, yeah, we need this amount to do this. And this is what we're trying to do. And this is what we're trying to push. Now, they may have very valid reasons not for backing it, not for putting financial support behind it, but you know, I, I am fighting for textiles and I do want to keep textiles teachers mm. within D&T, but actually the textiles industry needs to get behind this as well. And at the moment, I haven't experienced that personally. Well, no, that's really interesting. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, people outside of the association can, can come with, you know, people like me can make all sorts of assumptions based on what we what we see. And, I, and that's why I was really glad you were going to come on here and, and talk because, it just gives that space, doesn't it, to to flesh out the report and to flesh out the context and what's and what's happening. So, no, thanks thanks for sharing that, and and you've been really honest. So, I, I appreciate that. So, and I'm going to ask this question as a researcher then. So, Sam Tuckett, who is the author of the report, collated the data yeah. from secondary sources and has analysed it. Where where does that data set? begin because I'm asking as a researcher because I'm thinking EPI have done what you want them to do they've produced a baseline they've clearly analyzed data it's not a great picture but they've they've set out a stall the data set behind it for me as a researcher and for the DNT research strategy group would be really exciting to kind of then work with Sam to work that up into a different type of publication um you know, to kind of engage it in a more academic space as as well. Because um, I, I can imagine that Sam's work is really rigorous. We've got that. It's kind of like, what's next? So those sorts of questions involve who owns the data set and where is it sat? Yeah, my, my understanding, and I, I ought to know the answer to this uh, absolutely, and I'll be honest with you again, I, I don't. Um, I, I think, as far as I know, the data actually sits with EPI. Um Having said that, um, I don't think EPI would have any issue at all with people accessing the data set in order to continue the research in certain areas. Yeah. Um, and, and absolutely, that's something that we would want to facilitate if possible. That's something that's, a, that's an introduction that we would want to make. And we'd want it. I want this data to, to be used as much as possible. I want this report yeah, to sure. be used as much as possible. If I'm really honest, you know, when I first got it back, I read it and I thought, oh, my God. Um, 
I didn't think it was going to be a bundle of laughs, the report when it came back, but it's pretty damning. You know, it, it, it paints a pretty bleak picture of where the subject is at the moment. Um, and now the next stage is where do we go from there and where, how do we bring this forward and, and how do we start proving that this subject has got a place to play? Because the DfE stance at the moment is it's a national curriculum subject. It's got to be taught up to the age of 13. It's then up to students whether they choose it or not. And it's up to free schools and academies to choose whether they deliver it or not. And they keep this open stance. But we know that there are an awful lot, and I know from first hand the curriculum that you deliver in school is the curriculum that you think is right for the students that you've got in your school but it's also dictated and it shouldn't be but it's dictated by the budget that you've got and the expertise that you can pull in and by the expertise I mean you need the right head of department in every department for that department to flourish and if you can't get the right skill sets which a lot of schools are telling us at the moment is I just can't get the right leadership in design and technology then you'll look at other alternatives. And one of those alternatives is that you don't deliver the subject. Yeah, and that, that's that's a pragmatic decision. You can see that happening all over. And it's a, it's, it's a shame and it's sad and it kind of compounds this situation with the report, doesn't it, the position? Let's do, let's do the maths. Let's do the maths. I mean, we, 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 we did it when we, we were chatting just before we started here. And, and mm. I think the maths is really important because people need to understand this. If you're ahead... I've been in a position where I've set my budget before the summer and then over the summer holiday, the DfE have announced that they're going to cut funding to sixth form funding, which took £700,000 off our budget because we had a big sixth form. So I've now got to go back during the summer holidays and I've got to reset my budget, finding £700,000 from somewhere. And and that is just unbelievable. You can't do that without losing jobs. That's That's the bottom line. So then you sit down and you start looking at your curriculum and you think, okay, if I close, let's just say a design and technology department with four staff and a technician. When you look at the salaries there, and then you look at you look at the cost of running that department, which is about four times the cost of running a geography department, then I'm going to save myself around £250,000 through closing that department down. It's a big, big way towards where you might need to be. And that's what we're fighting against. If I can't get the right leadership, it's a very pragmatic decision yeah. to say, I can't do that. So therefore, especially if your art and design department isn't fine art, but is actually teaching something close to product design. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's heartbreaking to hear it. As you said, we talked about this earlier. And, you know, if you say you're faced with a budget and a balance sheet and the books don't balance, you've got to make some horrible and pragmatic choices. You might love design and technology as a head teacher. I mean, there's many out there that don't, but you might love it. And if you can't get the right leadership in, I mean, I'm working with one school at the moment to try and find them the right leader and try and try and because they desperately want it. New school, new facilities, great school, great, great opportunity, advertised twice now and haven't had a single decent application for, for the head of department role. Now, you know, as, the, as that heads, you start getting very, very nervy and you start thinking, can I actually deliver this subject? So that's that's the position we're in. And the, the recruitment into the subject, which the report highlights, is shocking. You know, we, we, we've reached yeah. at best 44% of a very low target over the last 11 years. That was the best year we had. At times, it was down to 23% of a very low target. 
Now, what I mean by a very low target is the, the DFE sets figures on what it feels it needs, but it doesn't really take into consideration the number of teachers that we know are retiring early. And we know that we have got one in five teachers out there from surveys that we've done who are within three to four years of retirement age. So we're losing at the top end, but we're not filling at the bottom end. And we have got half the number of teachers now who are specialist trained in design and technology that we had 11 years ago. So it almost makes me feel sick. I know. Just, just hearing that, that is, you know, it's kind of makes your stomach churn. Yeah, I mean, I say the numbers so often that I, my stomach doesn't churn anymore. I, I just get bloody angry, if I'm really honest. It's it's like, you know, I, 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 I again, we've discussed this, you and I, uh, separate, you know, when, when, when we've met. I don't think there's any conscious decision by government here to kill design and technology. I don't think anyone has sat down and said, this is not a valid subject. It needs to go. Let's do this and it will slowly kill it. But the consequences of, of the curriculum they do believe in, which is this knowledge-based academic curriculum with certain subjects having more weight than others, the EBAC, that is, is hurting us at the moment. And it's hurting us hard because if you're looking at, uh, again, uh, pragmatic decisions as a head, I, I, my school is measured on how many points I get, which is, is total together from the results that students get in certain subjects. So in English and maths, they get double. That's in, that's in basket one. All the EBACs are in basket two. And then in basket three, as, as was described by one politician a short while ago, is everything else, including all the hobby subjects. Was And, and, and I quote there, the hobby subjects. Um, right. Well, I'd, I'd really love to swear at that point, but I'm <laughs> I'm holding back. But, but yeah, and, and, and like heads are going to look at that basket three and it doesn't matter if you've got a brilliant art and design department, a brilliant design and technology department and a brilliant drama department and a student does all three of those and gets nines in all three. Only one of those will count towards your total for your school. So it's not in your interest to allow students to actually do creative subjects you push them towards evac subjects you push them towards and and then it becomes about what's good for the school and what's not good for, you know not what's good for the students mm. and that's why yeah. that's why I'm not ahead anymore to be honest Alice and I I got fed up compromising the values that 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 I really believe in I was there for the kids I was there because the curriculum that we delivered was going to make a life difference to the students in that school and the pressure that I was starting to be put under was, you know, classics, for example. We could deliver classics because we've got some kids here that are really good at languages. Yeah, a lot of them are Somalian. They speak two languages. They've had a really, really difficult life up to this point. The very last thing I would argue that they needed was another language. Yeah. It wasn't what they needed. What they needed were other things. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm not ahead anymore. And actually, I, I'm glad I'm doing the job that I'm doing because I think there's more impact with what I'm doing at the moment than I would ever have as a head teacher. I hope. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. I'm gonna, as I said back at the beginning, I'm going to pay you another compliment then if you're insisting. Yeah. I think you're definitely, you definitely are having a, 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 posit a positive income, um, impact on the subject. And, you know, you, you're speaking you're speaking now with this report and also the other stats that you've got from a, a place of knowing and your experience as a head teacher obviously adds a, a real significant value to, to how you kind of understand both sides of you might not like it, but you understand yeah. understand both sides. Um so you've got the report, you've there's some there's some interesting data. Um I picked up around um 
the regions. That that was kind of a bit of an eye opener. That was that was quite useful. It's a shocker. What, what have you kind of found? Yeah, go on. Which bits did you find a shocker? Well, uh, there's there's a few bits in there. I mean, uh, you know how how low it is in certain London boroughs was a shocker for a start. Um, yeah. You know, one London borough where only four percent of students in total do design and technology. Um, now, what what has happened in that borough? I, I would guess, and I, I haven't dug into it yet. I will do. Um, but I would guess that there's a lot of academies and free schools in that borough, and I guess they can dis- dictate their own curriculum. And they've decided not to not to deliver design and technology would be my guess. But four percent of a London borough, but also across the whole London boroughs, the percentage of students taking GCSE and A level was quite low. Um, other areas that were low were the, the northeast, Yorkshire, and the Humber, um, which were all around eighteen percent. Um, now, some of those aren't a surprise. Um, Humber wasn't a surprise because I think there's a lot of vocational uh, qualifications that are picked up by students in those areas, which mm-hmm. I, I believe is the case. And again, we as, as another piece of research to find out that out. Uh, what surprised me, huge East Midlands didn't surprise me. Um, East of England didn't surprise me really because we know a lot of schools there that are doing really great jobs of delivering it. Um, but the Southwest really knocked me socks off. I didn't. I, I just didn't get that. Um, but twenty five point five percent. Uh, entry rate in the southwest is is, yeah. is very high. Um, so yeah, yeah, there were there were bits of it that came out that 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 yeah was surprising and probably probably pro- provokes a, a deeper search into some of that data to find out exactly what is going on there. Um, we can we can hypothesise, but uh, I think it's probably the the nationals, BTECs, etc., that are being picked up by students in certain parts of the country. Yeah, Cumbria was another one that was a bit of a, an interesting one, wasn't it? In the post sixteen, yeah, sort of area. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I suppose, I mean, some of that um, regional stuff was quite interesting. So going back to London, so, so if you're a politician and you want to go to a school, you're going to tend to go and look in London because it's nearby. Yep where you're doing most of your work. And so if there isn't much design and technology going on, you're not seeing it. So you kind of, it's compounded, isn't it? So they're not, they're not seeing it. So I think that kind of doesn't, doesn't help, I suppose. Then the other thing that I kind of, I think I kind of mooted was, was why there were um, larger numbers, different, you know, not the, not so much of a challenge with teacher recruitment was where there were, larger centres of teacher training that involve design and technology. Yeah. You know, so, so the East Midlands has got NTU and Sheffield Hallam. Yeah. Um, West Midlands got BCU, you know, so there's kind of places around which have got more than two or three. Um, I'm not sure which one's feeding which there. I mean, is the ITE feeding the need in schools that that, that, that is there because there are so many yeah. or, or is it the other way around? I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Yeah. So there's kind of the sort of things to kind of think, is is it is that happening because of why is that happening? You know, I think I think places like um, the Humber, the Northeast and um, particularly rural Lincolnshire as well have challenges with recruiting staff yeah. um, because that make, that involves relocation and, you know, what kind of pulls you over there. If you go, if you go over and work sort of Louth, Mablethorpe way in, in Lincolnshire, the road network's not great for getting out at the weekend. I know that because I taught in Caister for quite a few years and lived in Lincoln. And um, 
you know, the road works much better now. But at that point, it sounds like I was traveling down country lanes. I wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but you know, um, there is now a dual carriageway all the way to Lincoln. Um, but, but those things make a difference if you've just graduated yeah. and you're relocating. Um, makes, you go looking for where you know people, where your support networks are, or the easy access to support networks. Yeah, and, and a support network is, is is really really important, especially in your in your in your beginning years of your career. You you mm. don't want to be there on your own, um, miles away from anybody else. And and I like what what I think is really good around sort of Norfolk, Ipswich, uh, Norwich, that area is the support network they've created around yeah. those schools is great, and they look after each other. Um, and if you go there, yeah, you are sort of isolated really from, from the country in the way that Norfolk is. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful part of the world, but you've got this cluster around you that are going to support you and are going to make life easier for you. If you go to somewhere else in the country without picking any particular targets for it, you're pretty much going to be on your own and it'll be up to you to do your own networking. And, and that's where we as an association is trying to play a role there. Um, you know, we had regional groups years ago. And what we're trying to do is create those virtually now where we can pull people in regionally onto online. And because and, we know, I mean, it's a ridiculous thing that this could be the loneliest job in the world. And it sounds crazy. You go into a school which has got 1,300 people and 100 teachers every day, but you might go in your classroom and, and not talk to another adult all day long. And you might go a week without talking to another person that's teaching the same subject as you really about about the subject. So those opportunities to discuss, talk, and just vents sometimes are really, really important. Yeah, and then it makes you feel like you're not so alone or other people give you a language to talk about outside of your department, about your subject. And you can sort of see, I mean, there's not necessarily a huge amount that's come out positive of a global pandemic, but that more the greater comfort we now have about doing things like you're do, you and I are doing today, sort of talking online, having group meetings online, those barriers have, have kind of come down and so it does make it easier. I mean, we used to run a regional event in, at NTU and kind of the challenges about timings, parking, access. You know, yeah, who's bringing the um, biscuits? Who's bringing the biscuits? <laughs> who's carrying the urn over from our building to another building, you know, and, and all of that stuff. Um, on top of for teachers well, I'm, I'm, and for us at the university, you know, a challenging, diverse job with a huge amount of demands. And family commitments, you know, and I want to have a good work-life balance. So no, I can kind of really see that that's a way forward is is building up those regional networks online to have those spaces. There's been a massive conversation. Mass, sorry, Alison, there's been a massive shift there. Um, you know, if I'd have asked three years ago whether people were interested in online meetings, then the answer would have been a categoric no from teachers. You know, we want to be in the room with all the problems that being in the room comes with, you know, getting people at the right time in the right place and all the rest of it. You know, you you, you cater for 15 and then six turn up is, is what happened regularly. Now you can bring people together for an hour online and you do get 15 in the room. So there are huge bonuses. And, and you said it's a mindset change that people realise that this is an efficient way of doing it. And it's not as good as being in the room. Uh, you have to bring your own bit. No. Bring your own biscuits for a start, but at least you get to talk with like-minded colleagues, and you get to throw things out there. I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? Is those those sort of questions? Yeah, yeah. Or what? I mean, I get quite a lot around curriculum. I get a lot of teachers sort of reach out to me around curriculum and around knowledge. How do we talk about it? You know, what's the way of not sort of refuting what's going on in the school, but where does D and T sit in some of those conversations and such? And 
yeah, as you say, I mean, I've had people reach out to me that are the only D&T teacher in the school and it's a, it's a lonely game. Mm. And, and, and you're setting the curriculum for the entire school for all the students. That's a, that's a huge responsibility as well. Um, and you, you're putting that together in isolation. Um, I, I've set curricula over the years, but it's always been with a team. You've always sat down and you've always thought, well, what, yeah. what about, and then always individuals come into it. Yeah, but what about Helen? She's going to struggle with that. She, how do we bring her into that? And you have those sort of conversations. Impossible to have those with yourself. You, you need to talk yeah. to other people. Yeah. Well, look, it's it's been good to kind of, I know we've kind of really touched on parts of the report and we did say that we, we'd think about well, what's next and talk about what's next, but I think we're kind of out of time and you're probably in the early stages of thinking about well, what's next for the report. So it'd be good to kind of come back and, and have a, a conversation around materials and and how how kind of making people feel part of that community when they might get pulled out to other parts. Um, but also thinking about what's next. You know, now you've got the baseline data. What's what's the next pound be good? Can I hint at it? Um, yeah. I mean, what 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 we've got is a lobbying plan in place for this year, which we've we've we thought about long and hard. Um, we were working with the Royal Academy of Engineering for the last three three and a half years, pulling together a data set, which a lot of teachers fed into. Over three thousand teachers fed into that data set. Um, we've got that data now, and we're, we 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 are working on that alongside this uh, Education Policy Institute paper. We're going to bring that to a series of roundtables. Um, so we want to talk to head teachers, um, executive heads and, and governors. And we want to find out why the subject is being dropped in schools, where it is being dropped and why it is doing so well in certain schools. Um, I think I know. But again, anecdote is no good. We need to go out there and we need to check. Um, we're then going to pull in business leaders because we want to find out what you know. Does business really, really want this subject there? Does it support it? Does it does it value it? Um, again, I've, I've I could name a string of businesses that I know do, um, but I want to pull wider business into that roundtable as well. And we're also going to pull in DFE, Bayes, etc. into those conversations so they can hear what's being said, and the, and then from that we're going to come up with a set of. Um, policy asks if you like uh and, and maybe wider than policy asks where we're looking at, at going to party conferences in september october with a plan to present this is where the subject needs to go and this is the next stage forward one other bit that we're doing on that is we're going to reach out regionally um now i want to i really want to do this face to face if i can um where I want to try and get venues where we can open up to teachers after school and we can say, okay, we're in Manchester on this date. We're in the centre of Manchester. Come along from four till six, grab a coffee, grab a biscuit. Let's have a chat about the subjects. Let's just talk about where the subject is, what the problems are that you're experiencing. Let's find out what we can from that. And I really want to do a series of regional ones there that will also feed the teacher voice in. We've got 3,000 responses on the Royal Academy work that we did. But I, I've not been in front of teachers in that way for two years, the same as none of us have, really. We've, we've been isolated behind machines. I want to talk to teachers and I want to listen to teachers more than talk, actually. I just want to hear what's going on out there and what the real issues are. Um, art and design is one that you know you and I have talked about a few times, is that a number of teachers are veering that way rather than design and technology because you can do that without the core and you can do that um, with an all-coursework assessment. Um, I get that. I absolutely get that. What worries me is art and design numbers are going up and art and design is increasing in stature, 
whilst design and technology is going backwards, that concerns me massively. So we want to get out there and we want to have these conversations. So I'm trying to organize those at the moment. So keep an eye on social media, keep an eye on our website because we're going to be announcing those pretty soon. And I suppose the one group that I think you've got missing is higher education. Yeah, and I would, uh, again... I, I don't mean people like me. I don't mean teacher education. I mean the design departments, the you know the creative departments. That's that's where I'm thinking, the architecture, textiles. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point because they're quite vocal sometimes on social media, lots of chats on social media with them. Um, but, yeah, it's a good point and, and one that I'll, I'll address. Well, I'm happy to help facilitate that. I'm happy to help facilitate and, and promote and share as, as, as much as I can. No, it's good to have those that kind of um, snapshot. Um, and I'm support, sure, as usual, you're open to teachers and other people reaching out to you and asking questions. So where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so if you're on LinkedIn, that's probably where I post most. Um, right. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, uh, Des Tech Ryan on Twitter. Um, and then you'll get me on the, uh, if you go to info at on, on the data uh, website, um, that will come to me as well. So you can get me, you Brilliant. can get me in three ways. Well, look, it's been good to talk with you this morning, Tony. I've really enjoyed that and, and really enjoyed hearing kind of like the, the report in the round, if that makes sense, rather than just a document. Um, and, and it's exciting to hear what's going to happen next. So thanks very much for your time today. Thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Alice. You've been listening to the Talking DT podcast with me, Alison Hardy. You can connect with me on Twitter at Hardy underscore Alison. Show notes and transcripts for each podcast episode can be found on my website, alisonhardy.work. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.